You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. So, so Sam, tell us a little bit about your backstory. Is your focus of work still breath work or yeah. are you focused somewhere else? I'm like all in on that right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting. 14 years ago, I was struggling with disordered eating, body image issues. I was a actress, stunt double dancer my whole childhood. I grew up in entertainment. You know, I grew up mm-hmm. in on either on a stage or in front of a camera. And so my whole world was entertainment, performance, all of that. And so that manifested as body image issues, always being in a fight with food, all of that. And I remember, this was 14 years ago now, I was like 18, 19. I read Elizabeth Gilbert's Eat, Pray, Love. Mm. And she talked about going to Bali and finding this medicine man, essentially. And so I called my mom one day and I was like, mom, I've tried like the therapy thing. I've tried all these things to get over this and like help myself with this. And I'm Mm. like, I I don't know. I still feel like I'm constantly thinking I'm in a fight with food and I hate it. Like, what the Mm. heck? I'm like, I read this thing in this book. I'm like, I think I'm just going to go to Bali and figure this out, right? Mm -hmm. Typical. So anyway, I went to Bali. I literally found the guy from the book. And I remember just like getting on my scooter and like scooting through the roads of Bali and a part of me was like, this is the best idea ever. The other part of me was like, what the heck are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I get there and he just grabs these like big long sticks out of his bag and just like starts poking my feet with sticks and it's just excruciating. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, get up. Because I was lying on the floor. He's like, get up. And I'm like, okay. He's like, you think too much. You need mm-hmm. to go meditate. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But at the time, meditation felt very excruciating because... Mm-hmm. I just hated feeling and I hated being in my body. And the thought of that was just a lot. And so I would distract myself with exercising and being busy and all of that kind of stuff because feeling was just, ugh. So anyway, I got back on my scooter and I went to this meditation studio. There was no meditation, but there was breath work. Mm. And I looked at the community board and I was like, what is that, right? Mm-hmm. And this was 14 years ago. It's cool now. Like people are like beginning to know what it is now, of uh-huh. course. But back then, I was like, I don't know what this is. I walk up to this class and there was this guy dressed all in white. He looked like Jesus. <laughs> and he goes to me and he's like, are you ready to go on the ride of your life? Like you're going to feel all of these emotions and you're going to mm-hmm. release. And the two things that I could feel back then were... Like I was like either like kind of numb or feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have this wide range of emotionality that, you know, you're supposed to have. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I started doing this breath pattern that he taught. And within a few minutes, I was feeling alive again. I was feeling back in my body. I was feeling in my heart. My mind for the first time felt clear. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is this? This is magical. And it like planted this little seed in me. And I was just a student of the work for like seven, eight years. You know, I'm just like doing it every single day and loving it and taking every training I possibly could. And then 
yeah, 2017, I was like, I want this to be like my thing. I feel this call to like bring this to the world and show people, not even show people, it's like give people an experience of their infinite potential through their own body, through their own breath. And Mm -hmm. that's been the thing ever since. That's beautiful. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. And what was so distinct about breath work and so different than meditation? There was something about the act of really doing something in order to land in a state of beingness. Whereas with meditation, we're sitting there and there is an element of it being active. But for my ADD, busy brain that didn't like to feel and be still, it was very challenging. And so there was like a barrier that I was able to overcome with breath work because it was like more of this active practice. Like... Like there's a doingness to it. And that doingness drops us into the beingness. And there was something about that from my particular system. Maybe it's because I have a lot of fire. Maybe it's because I have a healthy dose of ADHD, whatever it is. But there was something about that that was able to break me through all of those protectors that didn't want me to feel. Mm-hmm. And from that place, now I love meditation, but only after I do breath work. Like I'll do breath work. Mm-hmm. And I'll get into the place of, you know, the stillness and the quiet. And then from there, my meditations are so much juicier and so much longer and so much richer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I've found with breath work or with creative visualization, and I practice all of the different formats of mm-hmm. practice. I don't teach any of them. Mm-hmm. But what I've found is it depends on, like you said, you call it ASD. I just call it active mind. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, it's the place you're at mentally as a human being and you mm-hmm. can go between very mm-hmm. active stages to not so active stages, it's easier to get into a meditative state when your mind's not so active. Mm-hmm. Because when your mind is active, which tends to be the truth of pretty much every entrepreneur, <laughs> because they have a deep sense of purpose and meaning and direction in life that they're chasing. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they have high activity in their mm-hmm. brains. I'm sure if you brain map them, that would be absolutely true. It is going to be impossible for them to say, oh, from really active, drop straight to nothing. Yeah, It's not possible. Mm-mm. You have to find a path to nothing. And I think breath work, creative visualization is another one that helps you use that mental faculty or body mm. faculty, how are you going to call it? I think breath works a lot more body than mind, I guess. Mm. But for creative visualization, it'll be take your mental faculty and don't like try to focus it on your breath, but just simply let it be and watch it. Yeah. And you get to a place where you can be still. Oh, for sure. For sure. I love that creative visualization. Yeah. And there's like this experience of, you know, getting your body aligned to that. And it's really about like our ability to like energetically and, and mentally focus Mm. And focus on something that feels so aligned. And then once we're there, there's such energy richness there. Yeah. You know. Why do you think we all forgot about breathing? So Mm. much of the society. It's so simple. And it's so innate. That we just override the divinity in the simplicity. Mm -hmm. That's my answer to it. You know, even when... You know, I talk to people about pause breath work. I talk to them about my company. They're like, breathing, it's just so simple. I'm like, like, what do you mean? And then I'm like, I'm going to give you an experience of it. And when we give people an experience of their own breath, they're like, whoa, 
This is so simple yet so profound. And so there's breath work for survival, which most people are doing. We're just breathing to survive. But mm. we've been given this incredible ability to breathe, to thrive, to remember who we actually are, to cut through limitations and illusions and move through all of our conditioning and all of our layers and all of our personality and get to that essence of who we are. And it's such a simple thing that we bypass it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like we've complicated the art of happiness. Mm-hmm. Happiness gets to be easy. We just have to allow it to be easy. Mm-hmm. And the greatest path in my experience that I found is through the breath. Mm-hmm. I can be feeling like a bag of balls and within three minutes through intentional breathing, I can feel incredible. And I can realize like that thing that felt so dramatic and chaotic five minutes ago is not a big deal. Why do you think that happened? perspective. You know, it's like when we touch and we glimpse the true essence of who we are and we remember that energy, from that vantage point, everything feels so mundane, so little, so it's just whatever. But when we're caught in the consciousness of a smaller part of us, so if something arises in life, you know, I I like to say everything's content. Mm-hmm. Anything anything that happens, whether it's in my relationship or my business or friendships or whatever it is, everything in life is content for us to evolve. But when content arises and we get triggered and collapse into the consciousness of the content, then we're trying to fight it from the level of the mind and the level of the inner child. We feel so defeated and frustrated. But when we have that content and we let it really impact us in a way that's like, ooh, that hurt... But we use the breath to allow ourselves to create spaciousness from the trigger and we view it from a different vantage point. It doesn't feel so intense. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's literally just an email or it's just a person that put up the wrong thing on social media. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when I view it from the consciousness of my inner child, it's a big freaking deal. Mm-hmm. Like you should not have put that spelling mistake on that thing on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when I get into my aligned, powerful self that remembers who I am, it's like no big deal. And then mm-hmm. I can actually problem solve from a more energy rich and aligned place, which makes everything, of course, so much easier, mm-hmm. especially as an entrepreneur. You know, I feel like nothing has shaped me, grown me, broke me down, expanded me more than my business. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like, I really truly believe that entrepreneurship, you know, I know you have a lot of coaches in your community. This work is truly a container for our evolution before anything else. And if we view it like that, then it's not going to feel so personal and intense. It's going to feel sometimes like an honor. Like I get to go through this challenging thing so that I can evolve, be a better leader so that I can help more people and, you know, advance my mission. If we view it as, oh, this thing is happening and all entrepreneurship is so hard and this sucks, we're going to be out of the game. What is it that you believe or you've seen to be true for your experience or to why it is that breathwork works for Mm. somebody? We're able to find God inside of us. And that the term God has many, you can say, life force, universe, infinite power, infinite potential. It's that isness that we all know exists and can sometimes be a little esoteric and out there because we can't actually see it. Even though God is in everything always, right? 
breathwork is the most direct access we have to that without any substances. You know, I know people can feel that through plant medicine and various things that they do, but I always say you are the drug. So what we do then is when we use the breath, we're configuring to the essence of God inside of us. And when we feel that, there's this remembrance. I remember who I was before I came to this planet. I remember who I was before this name, before this personality, before wearing these clothes, before the titles that the world has given me and I've given myself. I remember who I was before that. And not only do I remember, there's a direct feeling of it. There's an experience of it. And when we touch into that experience and we know that we can touch into that experience any moment of any day, there's this empowerment that occurs. And not this manufactured empowerment through the mind of like, I can do anything, but this true empowerment. It's this true alignment. And when we get to that place of true power, not distorted power or disowned power, but true power, we're able to access the part of us that we know is the truest part of us. And from there, when we're settling and we're resting in that energy, we're resting in that well-being, anything we do from that position is going to be amplified and people are really going to feel it. Like, oh, I'm really feeling the truth of who you are here through your words, through your actions, through your beingness, through your content, through your coaching, through your leadership. Like I can tell you're not trying to do it, but you're just it. Mm-hmm. And that isness, godlike energy is I believe what we're all here searching for through the various things that we do, you know? And we don't have to use the term God again. We can use the term life force or whatever it is. Whatever that anybody wants to call it. Whatever we you want to call it. There is, yeah. there is something beyond us. There is something beyond us that is within us. It's mm-hmm. beyond us and it's within us. Mm-hmm. And when we acknowledge and can experience that isness within us, it gives us an incredible amount of confidence to do what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. And you train individuals in the mm-hmm. practice of breathwork, right? I train people to become breathwork facilitators. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what our company What has is. been your experience being working with individuals, training them in such methodology? Uh, it's the most fulfilling thing in the whole world. There's something that comes alive in people when we teach this work. I remember I was running a retreat right when I got certified back in the day. This was probably like 12, 13 years ago. And I remember the first ever breathwork experience that I taught was at a retreat up in Canada where I'm from. And I just remember teaching breathwork and seeing people go through their beautiful experiences. And it it was like this feeling of like, I've done this before in another lifetime. You know, I've done this before. There's this remembrance. And I feel like the people who are called to breathwork, the people who are called to somatic healing and really using the body as an instrument for transformation, I believe that we decided to do this work before we even came here. And so there's this feeling for me of like, this is the most fulfilling thing. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And I see that in my students, you know, when they get in the seat of the facilitator and they're teaching this work to someone who's never used their breath as an instrument for transformation before, both people just come alive, right? It's this beautiful co-nourishing relationship where the facilitator feels so alive because they're aligned in what they're here to do. And then someone is 
remembering how powerful they are. And that co-nourishing relationship is just one of the most beautiful things. What was the experience of of becoming a facilitator and then going out building a business around it? So you're from mm-hmm. Canada, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's been about 13 years. You said you mm-hmm. was the first workshop mm-hmm. that you ever did. If you would dial it back 13, yeah. 14 years ago, yeah. how was that? Starting a company, starting a business. There's two distinct moments that I'll share that are really going to answer this question. So the first breathwork session I ever did was a three-hour breathwork session in Bali. And a three-hour breathwork session for the first one you've ever done, that's a little intense. Like I wouldn't recommend Mm -hmm. that. It's a very activating, intense process, right? And I remember awaking from that experience. I was lying on the wooden floor and I just had tears everywhere. My face was all flushed and red. And I remember like waking up from the experience and looking at the guy who was teaching. And I was like, why does the whole world not know we can do this? Like there's a part of me that was pissed. I was like, there's so much addiction, suffering, pain, like anxiety, depression in the world. And people don't realize this is not mainstream. Like what is going on? And I just remember him looking at me and he's like, maybe you should go tell them. Like that's that mm-hmm. was so simple, right? And that that planted a seed. I was a student, as I said, of it for like seven, eight years. I did all the certifications, but I'm like, I didn't plan on teaching it. I didn't plan on building a business. I just wanted to do it for my own growth and healing. I was getting sick of my last company. My last company was called, I think I was running it when you and I first met, but Hungry for Happiness. And it was mm-hmm. all about disordered eating, body image issues, issues with food. I did not feel aligned with that anymore because it was so long ago. I'm like, if I have to talk about emotional eating again, like I'm going to start emotional eating because I'm, I'm just over it, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember being at a mastermind up in LA and I was driving down from LA back to San Diego where I live. And I'm like, all right, I love the journey of Hungry for Happiness. We helped thousands of people. We grew that company to multi-million dollars a year and it was so successful. Great profit margins, but I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like it was just like a moment in time of like, I don't want to do this anymore. Everything just got really still and really quiet. There was no radio on. I remember just like listening to my own thoughts. And I was like, what's my next thing? And it dropped in so clear. It was like, you need to teach the world to breathe. And I'm like, what? And the next beat was, it's called pause breathwork. Like I didn't think of it. It wasn't one of these things where I'm like, I think I should start a business. It was so weird. Mm-hmm. I went home that night and I was like, that's interesting. Breathwork, pause breathwork. Okay. I fell asleep for the next two weeks. I woke up at 3.14. Not 3.13, 3.14. Don't know why. Don't know what the what that's about. And I was just getting like downloads or information of this business. And I just felt like it was like, I don't know, use the word channel or whatever. I guess it was a channeled right through me. And my living room looked like, it was crazy. There was just like whiteboards and just shit everywhere of this business plan. So it it wasn't one of these things where I'm like, I think I should start a business of breathwork. It just kind of was like, this is the thing. Are you going to answer the call to this? Mm-hmm. And so I think of pause as this energy, this entity that needs to be in the world. And I feel like it came to me at a really beautiful time. And now I'm very grateful because it's deeply fulfilling for me to lead it. And Mm -hmm. I have the opportunity of training people to share this message and share this work and change lives. And it feels really aligned. 
Mm-hmm. The great thing about my parents is they really taught me the value of hard work. My mm-hmm. dad was a professional hockey player and he did not let me win at street hockey unless I actually won. Like mm-hmm. he would never let me win, not even a board game. My mom would be like, just let her win. He's like, no, she's going to earn it. Mm-hmm. And so my parents always taught me the value of hard work and they always gave me permission to be an entrepreneur and do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, I'm so grateful for that. Because I don't think I would be here if I didn't have that. And I acknowledge that. And I'm very deeply grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I've built everything on my own. Like they didn't give me anything, but still they gave me the permission and the container to fly, if you will. It's the most important thing. Okay. Yeah. And so I just remember always thinking to myself, how can I add value? How can I add value? And what could, what could I do? With mm-hmm. it? And so... What was the hardest time as an entrepreneur? <sighs> Last year. Mm-hmm. You get to this place where it's growing pains, man. It's like when I was a like solopreneur, that was easy. Up to 4 million, that was easy. Now past like 4 to 8 million, it's just like a lot of moving parts. And I needed to learn how to be a really good leader last year. I'm great at leading a community. I'm great at leading my clients. But leading a team... I needed to go through a lot of work, right? It's like, wait, what do I do? Is it? like, I'm I'm the CEO of Pod, so I'm like, I'm like googling. What's the CEO doing? Like, I have to learn all this, and I feel like last year I just kept falling on my face in different ways, like, and I was really hard on myself because I was I hired a lot of like CEO mentors that were men, mm-hmm. and so I'm like trying to do it in this way, and mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, I got to do it in my own way. Mm-hmm. And so last year was this like calibration of realizing that it doesn't look one way. Here's the value that I'm bringing to the organization, but I get to do it in like a very feminine way. And I don't have to do it in a very masculine way like mm-hmm. I've been taught. And so last year was one of the hardest years as a CEO, mm-hmm. but one of the most amazing years for growth. But I feel like every stage has its level of hard. You know, I really feel like entrepreneurship is constant duality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like right now in this moment, there's probably a hundred things happening in my company that suck and a hundred things that are amazing, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, what am I going to focus on? And what am I going to give my energy to? I learned the power of energy over the last three years. Like my energy is the most important thing. And if I am depleted, operating from fear, operating from anything but my truth, my entire organization is going to feel it and it's going to have an impact on everyone. Mm-hmm. So I always say energy over strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, energy is the most important thing. How can I cultivate this energy of leadership and power and vision and heart and courage and work on myself and believe in myself? And, you know, that's 80% of the work. Mm-hmm. That's 80% of the work for me personally. And then the 20% is the actual like tactical, tangible, right? It's always the truth of any company, any large enterprise. After a point, it's not about what you can do. It's about who you can work with and how you work with them. Yeah. It's very little to do with even strategy, like you said. Strategy is the same eventually. It's nothing different than what is known probably by everyone right now. Like anybody that's listening to this knows exactly the strategy that you need to make your business work. Mm -hmm. The problem will be, will you actually be able to get it to work? 
and that needs firstly you like you said mm-hmm. in the starting phases of your company and then and eventual stages of the company can you make it work with the team and if you can make it work with the team you've you've no no mm-hmm. per ceiling you can just keep going as far as you can find the right people bring them in keep the culture stable get the right people most importantly and keep the right people yeah. to say all right this is the group of people that are the right people for this company and they're different for every company mm-hmm. and then you keep going at it and, and that's really after a point I feel like Growing a company becomes about hiring than anything mm, else. Totally, okay. totally. If you can hire, you've got a company. <sighs> if you can't hire, yeah. you don't have a company. Yeah, yeah. It's like I was getting so bogged down over the last five years of like, what's the best use of my time? And I realized it's three things. I read a book called A CEO Only Does Three Things. Culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a quote. Peter, I want to say Drecker. I think that's his last name. Culture Eats Strategy for Breakfast. I want my team to feel so lit up that they work for a company and so happy that they're employed. So like, how can I better their lives just by working there? Mm-hmm. And so that's beautiful. And I that's been so fun. So culture, people, right? People in the right seats, right? Going back to hiring. It's like, that is the biggest thing. I've made some terrible hires and terrible hires with bad boundaries. And I used to let people cross my boundaries a lot and then it would create resentment. And then just, I want like the cleanest relationships energetically. And mm-hmm. the numbers, Right? Mm-hmm. What are the numbers that we're going for? And how can I be committed to that every single day? How can I look mm-hmm. at it every single day? I went through this phase a couple of years ago where I was like, I'm a creator. I don't need to look at the numbers. And then I shot myself in the foot, you know? <laughs> well, and I mean, you can still create. There's just no volume in it. Like you can't build a business without yes. understanding numbers. You have to yeah. understand some numbers. It doesn't yeah. have to be the most complex things, which yeah. sometimes people make it to be until mm-hmm. the time you hire the right CFO, for exactly. example. Exactly. You hire the person that knows how to run the numbers and give you just the five that you really need. Exactly. And then you got it. And you're you good. Don't, yeah, you, yeah, you're good. You don't have to worry about mm-hmm. it. Somebody that you can dance with. Absolutely. Uh, and saying, okay, I don't understand this. Can you make it like a four-year-old? Exactly, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, talk to me like I'm stupid. Yeah. yeah. So now we have this amazing CFO and there's like a relaxation in my nervous system of like, I'm going to keep an eye on this, you know, and I'm going to look at it every single day. Not from a place of obsession, just but being aware, like having a really healthy relationship with money. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing for like early coaches of like really dialing in our relationship with money because mm-hmm. it's the currency of everything that we do, yeah, right? It's the way you know your value yeah. was valued and your yeah. worth was worth. Mm-hmm. And and otherwise, there's no way except for having some words being said about how great you were, which is also great, but it doesn't take care of the bills and doesn't really move you forward. So while that is awesome to have the gratitude of uh, yeah. a lot of people, you still got to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And so money mm-hmm. is very important. What were some of the lessons that you learned about money? So I think of money as a relationship. Mm -hmm. receptivity and allowance. Like, can I allow myself to actually receive money? And what does that mean about me? About, you know, so it's like creating these, uh, shifting my identity around money. Like I am someone who's really good at money. I am someone who attracts infinite amounts of wealth, right? And just having like a really clean relationship with money. So that's been huge for me of like doing money energy work on a daily basis. You know, it's like if there's any kinks in my relationship with money, it's going to show up. It's going to come out, right? So how can I have like a really clean relationship and just graciously receive? Like how can I be a gracious receiver and a generous giver and just have the flow of money in and out of my world be like seamless and exciting and fun? Like when I pay people, like be so stoked that I like, wow, I've created something where, you know, I get to serve people. And, you know, it's like I'm... 
This is their livelihood. How cool, you know? And so that's been like a really big one of like not desensitizing myself to money, Mm. you know? Like really acknowledging like as we went from like, you know, I was a solopreneur and making not much. Now we're multi, multi, multi million. It's like, how can I still acknowledge like, whoa, this is a huge deal. This is amazing. And just be so grateful for that. You know, I think Mm. gratitude is an amplifier of abundance. If we can be so grateful for every single dollar that comes in our world and be so grateful that we have the abundance to then circulate that that abundance, that's been such a big, big, big game changer for me. Yeah, that's so true. I think you you hit it right on the head when you said a lot of people have a problem receiving money. They may, <sighs> may have the skill. They may have the possibility. They might be smart as hell. They might have the right methodology. They might have everything. And if they have a trigger for when money is given, what I've found is usually they would almost immediately spend it. For sure. And and on things they don't need. For sure. Like it is almost like it's automatic. They're like, I don't deserve this. And they would question it, spend it, burn the client, do stupid Mm. stuff that you really don't need to do. And as a smart person, you would not do. But you end up doing it just because you have a challenge because of the story that you might have told or your parents might have told or whatever yeah. the backstory to that is. But you just held on to your four-year-old self mm. or 10-year-old self or early teenage age and just holding on to that identity saying, oh, I don't deserve this. And I but shouldn't do you know what's crazy? It's like, it's not just money with people like that. They can't receive anything, mm-hmm. right? Like a compliment. Mm-hmm. How many people receive a compliment and right away they're like, I like your shoes too. Like, mm-hmm. just take it in, <laughs> you know? Like, take it in. Let it land. Like, let let yourself actually receive the abundance that the universe is wanting to give to us without deflecting it or, like, hot potatoing it right away, you know? And it could be the littlest things like favors, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime Eric asks to help me out with anything, I'm like, yes. Like, mm-hmm. get like, yes. Because I want to practice receiving and being gracious and grateful for receiving because mm-hmm. that helps my relationship to money. Mm-hmm. So when people have an inability to receive money, they have an inability to receive a lot of things, you know? Oh, absolutely. I have a friend and it's a joke that we crack with him. I'm not going to give the name away, but... but tell us. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you later. Uh, but, but there's a friend of mine and he is such a giver. Mm-hmm. Like he's... If there was a scale of 1 to 10, he's like 11. Mm-hmm. Like always, like, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And constantly, right? And the other day we were just talking about it and I was like, you give to so many people. You can just reach out to like these five friends. Yeah. Like I included myself. Like if I know what you want, I will do it for you. Because yeah. you've contributed so much to my life. You're a great friend. You know, a great person overall. I would absolutely do this mm. for you. But I need to know that you want this. Yeah. Right? I mean, how will I know? Like I'm not, for you sure. know, I'm not, I'm intuitive, but not that intuitive. Yeah. But I can read your mind. <laughs> right? So I'm like, you have all these friends. This is mm-hmm. what you want to build as your next career. He's trying to build his next career. Like if you never ask, they don't know Mm-mm. that you want something mm-hmm. and you will never have it. Mm-hmm. Even if you have all the access mm-hmm. in the world, this is like a really well-connected person. If you know an influencer in personal development, he knows that person and knows them really intimately. So because he's such a giver, he's a very kind soul mm-hmm. and he's amazing. And at the same time, it's, it's, he can't ask. Yeah. And he can't ask. And even when I told him to say, okay, what can I offer you? He couldn't tell me back. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's where you're stuck. Yeah. That's where you're like constantly battling and you think the world is going to just, you're not going to receive anything if you never ask. 
There is no yeah. science of universe that I've ever heard about saying, you know, you just give, 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 and one day you shall receive. I've yeah. just never, never mm-hmm. seen, heard, mm-hmm. or anybody share that lived experience with me of saying, yeah. give, 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 never ask. Yeah. And you will receive. Mm-hmm. It's just not how this works. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. I, In my experience working with my clients, it's like the fear of asking is the no, the rejection. Mm-hmm. There's a book called Go For No, mm-hmm. which helps rewire the brain. Like, rejection's a good thing. It's not rejection, it's redirection. You yeah. know? It's yeah. like, just go in for the ask. Ah, who cares? And I think there's an exercise that I like to do, which is when I'm going for an ask, I never go for the ask with the point of view that I have, but mm. the point of view that they would have. Mm, right? Tell me more. So it's so for example, if let's say you have a podcast and mm. I want to be on your podcast, right? I wouldn't go in saying, Samantha, put me on your podcast. Mm. Right? It would be more of, why should Samantha put me on her podcast? Mm. Right? And so when I'm asking, I'm not asking for here's why you should get me on your podcast. What I'm asking for, hey, Samantha, I heard your podcast. It seems to be talking about these ideas. Mm -hmm. You know what? I have this thing that may resonate with what Mm -hmm. you're talking about. Mm -hmm. See if this is connected to you. And maybe if it is interesting, you would let me know if I could be on your podcast. Now, I'm doing two things in there. First, I am not operating from ego and that I deserve this. And so it's easier for me to do because I'm saying, hey, I know this is value Mm -hmm. to you. So I'm giving you something in a way Mm -hmm. while I'm also asking for something, Mm -hmm. right? So firstly, it's I'm not necessarily operating from a place of, you know, you should respect me because I am something, right? So it takes away all of that charge. I'm communicating in a way where you will go, oh, it makes sense or it doesn't make sense. But most importantly, because I'm not caring about my ego and because I don't care about what actually happens because I'm not trying to serve me, I'm trying to serve you. Mm-hmm. No is just no to yourself. It's mm-hmm. not no to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like, I was like, oh, I connected it to her and mm-hmm. she didn't feel it was aligned. So maybe it wasn't aligned and that's fine. Yeah. That's perfectly okay. Yeah. That no is not really a no. That's Mm -hmm. just no for the idea that I presented. It's not a no to me. It's not a personal rejection. Mm -hmm. It's basically, like you said, redirection. You can call it that. And that's what I feel is a a classic mistake in the ask is most asks are why you should do this for me. What's in it for me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You should do this for me. I'm a friend. Mm -hmm. Put me on the thing. Yeah. So that's the classic mistake because let's be honest, people would do it, but they also resented that. Yeah. They do it for you and then they're like, why did I, yeah. I just did it because he was a friend totally. or she was a friend and I don't really care. Yeah. Whereas if you say, hey, this is why this will work for you. Mm. Now that ask is so much more powerful. Totally. You know, it's so much more, oh, wow, you thought about, you actually listened to the bloody yeah. podcast instead of just showing up because you wanted to be on one exactly. more podcast. Right. So you actually know what I talk mm. about. You're actually connecting the dots and saying, okay, good. So you also feel a little bit more like, oh, I would like to give to this person. Mm, They made some effort into this. Totally. Right? So for me, I feel like there's a lot of asking without thinking about how and what you're asking for Mm -hmm. and not enough consideration that everybody, Mm. 100% of us, want to do things that we want to do. Yeah. We don't actually want to do things that somebody else wants to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that just causes resentment. Mm. Yeah, you might do it just because you feel like, oh, I have to do this favor and they did this for me, so I'm going to do this for them. And yes, you can cash in your chips like that. Mm -hmm. But when you cash in the chips where it's connected to the person, so much easier. Absolutely. And so much better. Why? so good. Yeah. And the person when you're walking in and let's say it was a podcast Mm -hmm. ask, even then the person goes, oh, you know what? We talked about that thing. I actually have for once, I know what I'm going to talk about. Yes. Instead of me trying to prepare, you prepared it for me. Yes. It's so much, so much more easier for both the parties Mm. in a way. So I feel there's a synchronicity to that. There is a 
there's a way you can receive more easily, especially when you're starting the journey. Absolutely. I've also found receive small things first. Like don't try to go for the big, you know, oh, I'm going to ask like this (laughs) big ask straight away because you're more likely to get a no, Mm. right? Because you have not practiced Mm -hmm. receiving. Start for a small thing, like somebody paying for a coffee for you. Mm -hmm. Take it. Yeah. And And just say thank you. Compliment like that. Yeah, there you go. And it's like, it's like dating, right? Make many asks, aligned asks. And then, you know, if one says no, it's not like, oh, but if it's like the only person that you ask and you put all of your chips on this one table and then they say no, it's going to feel intense. Where it's like when you're dating many people, right? And one person falls off, you're like, it's fine. I still, there's so many, there's, we live in an infinite universe. There's so many different options. And so just get yourself out there, have conversations, make those aligned asks and then Mm. see see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's why sometimes I, like a lot of times I have the practice of somebody says, hey, great shirt. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I have to reciprocate that unless I actually exactly. do want to reciprocate exactly. it. And sometimes I've reciprocated really poorly because I'm like, I'm reciprocating just because. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's terrible, Ajit. You're making a bad comment. It's not even the right thing you're appreciating <laughs> because you feel this pressure of, oh, I must <laughs> not. Do people compliment your hat game all the time? All the time. I like, that's yeah. the, I love that about you. I'm like, oh, or they hate it. <laughs> <laughs> On social media, they love it or hate it. They got the hat doesn't work on you. I'll like, thank you for your fashion advice, which I never asked for, but go for it. <laughs> like, why do you wear a hat? I was like, how does it matter to you? But sure, I love hats. Why so do you cool. wear socks? Would, yeah. Why do you wear underwear? <laughs> yeah. like, I'll like, Tell but, me that. But that's social media, isn't it? Oh my gosh, no kidding. Well, so Sam, funny. how can people know more about your work? Mm. Yeah, so pausebreathwork.com has all of the things, the app, the facilitator training, my Instagram, at Samantha Skelly. All of the shenanigans happen right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, Fantastic. thank you so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure talking to you again. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's fun. 